With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. It's the Transfer Show here on the Blue Room. It's Friday night. Instead of being out in the sun, enjoying ourselves, having a nice drink, we are in in front of our computers, uh, our headphones on, having a chat about players Everton should sign, uh, players Everton haven't signed, and just all sorts of transfer rumours. Uh, joining me as ever is Rob Vera. Rob, how are you, mate? Uh, doing all right. Uh, glad that I don't have to sacrifice my Friday evening for this. Uh, it's just lunchtime for me, so uh, doing well, doing well. It's it's sunny and hot and uh, uh you know, pretty boring in this coronavirus world we're living in, but uh, otherwise doing well. Yeah, Rob has got the seasons away kits on to, to mark the occasion as well. Well, you know, honestly, I don't wear my shirts in the off season that much, but I will say this coral shirt really complements my Puerto Rican skin quite well. So I'm, <laughs> that's why I, I tend to go for this as more casual wear during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Wonderful stuff. And I joined us for, for the first time on the show and indeed the, the Blue Room. And unbelievably, when I've seen his Twitter post today, the first time ever on a podcast, this is Mike yeah. from Toffee Analysis. Uh, good evening, mate. How are you doing? Thanks yeah, for yeah. On. yeah, I'm fine. Just um, too hot, I say, as if I don't have a cup of tea on, um, on the right here. But... <laughs> You've gone for a brew in this heat, my word. <laughs> My word, I don't know how you do with that. I've just got a standard orange juice out, out the fridge, but yeah, fair dues, mate. So just for, for anyone, I'm sure most of our listeners and, and viewers, this would have seen the articles and stuff uh, you put on Twitter and like your comments um, in regards to players everything should be looking at on the team at the moment. But just for people who haven't seen the stuff you do, I mean, what sort of stuff are you looking at at the moment? What sort of stuff have you been doing when it comes to, to Everton and, and European football in general? Um, well, right, we've... The website Toffee Analysis is was um, an attempt to be something different from the normal. We try to be a bit more analytical and um, I don't know, objective based instead of sometimes you you'll see stuff 
on the echo where no matter what happens, they'll 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 be like a positive look on things. But we'll try and be as balanced as possible. Um, in terms of the recent pieces, um, I decided way before this pandemic happened, now I was going to write um, a series of of pieces about the players we should look at to sign, and then obviously the pandemic happened and. I'm still at university, and then university completely finished at the end of March for me. So I had all this free time, so I've, I've it, it's not been a case of just these the players I like, you know, I'm going to write about them. There's been a lot of, of watching and watching videos. It, it turns out it's quite expensive to watch football games when they're not online. <laughs> um, but it's been worth it, you know, the pieces have, have been, you know, really well received. I put out a tweet the other day that um, when I did first start, I was looking at maybe getting 500 reads at the very most. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a bit extreme for each piece. And I think even today, I think I've already, out of the, I think it's been five pieces and we've, we've hit over 10,000 reads since March, which is, you know, for, for a post, for a, for a website that, you know, on Twitter has just over 3,000 followers is, is quite in. Uh, quite fantastic really yeah mike the thing i think i was struck by and i'm i have sort of framed myself in the blue room hierarchy or pantheon or whatever as being the football idiot of the blue room uh, which i'm i'm very comfortable with that title uh but i i i I, in all seriousness i think one of the things that really uh impressed me about some of the work that you've done in these scouting reports and just generally in the way that a lot of the toffee analysis uh, content comes across is that it it, it enables the it, it really is very analytical without making the reader who may not be as deep into those numbers feel like a dummy like some of those pieces do I mean it, it's always a <clears throat> an interesting balance when you're trying to strike between uh, being insightful and still being very accessible and and I've really I really took that from some of the scouting pieces uh, one of the things I was curious about, um, in terms of the way in which you go through these scouting reports, and, and obviously it's helpful for people like me who primarily, if not almost exclusively, watch the Premier League as opposed to paying attention to the other European leagues. Um, are you getting a lot of this information based on uh, you know some of the data research that you're doing, or are you getting it more from actually spending a, a, in maybe an inordinate amount of time actually watching a ton of other leagues and then identifying these targets and then going after the data then or is it kind of a mix of both it, it, it's a mix of both really I think you know I was saying the other day to, to the missus I mean she she hates it but there is <laughs> there is not a day goes by really that I don't watch football yeah, and I think when when that is the case, you know, you you do just like pick up, especially when you you've never seen a player that you've watched before. Like you do look and like he looks decent, and then you know the match will finish or whatever, and you know I'll, I'll have a quick look at you know, you know does the eye or does, does the eye test match what I've seen yeah. with the data basically? Mm-hmm. And if if it does, then I, th- I suppose you know for the next six you know eight months, you just have like an extra eye on the person, like. I was saying before, when it came to the pieces, this is something that was in the works for a, for a long time. I, th- I don't think it was... Because I've done something like it before and when I was much younger, and it was just... I thought of the idea, I wrote it, and it was finished within a week, whereas this was something that I started at the end of of um, April and finished two weeks ago. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was a lot more detailed. Um, I think it's... 
it's important that you mentioned it that it, it the pieces don't make people feel stupid with just like yeah. relaying numbers and saying I like this player because the maths tells me this. It's, <laughs> it's, important, it's important to find a balance, really. You see all the time on Twitter where um, people have maybe a bit of a in it in ignorance towards um, data when it comes to football as well. My eyes tell me this, so I'm going to go with my eyes. But it's always important to, if your eyes don't meet what the data says, then give it some time and, and maybe, you know, review where you look at, basically. Do you think yeah. as, as well, Mike, the, you know, because I follow a lot of the, 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 you know, the writers that put across data are very data focused you know whenever I speak to Matt Sheaton from Sky for our stats pack show sometimes some of the numbers he brings up and some of the categories and numbers he brings off mm. do blow my head off a little bit to be honest I'm, I'm very much more the eye test type of judge of a player as opposed to someone who's going to go, go away and look yeah. at the numbers but do you feel as though sometimes as well you sort of said there it's the eye test that sort of triggers you to go and look at the data I sort of think now the way it's, it's going occasionally you get people who formulate opinions entirely based on the data, what they've seen from this player based on numbers. And they haven't actually ever watched this this lad playing in the flesh yeah. before. Yeah. Um I remember um I think I, I read a piece once maybe a year or so ago and it's that you should never write about a player that you've never ever watched before. Um I think one of the most well known midfielders on Twitter at the moment is is Ibrahim Sangare, who we were linked with again yesterday. Whereas on like on the data, he's like, you know, he look, he's a really good, promising midfielder for someone who plays for one of the worst sides in France, and he's only twenty one. But when you watch him, there is there are parts of his game where you look where it gets to the point now where it's like the park end with eight that. <laughs> yeah, I think the park ended eight most things to be honest with me in, in that regard. But, but, no, it, but it's, it's stuff like where he just doesn't um, you know track his runner or you know a goal will have happened because he hasn't tracked his running and so he turns around and he's pointing at other people. It's like that that's your man. You you can't measure stuff like that up from, from data analytics from data analytics. Data analytics, yeah. <laughs> All the words are in there, mate. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how it's funny how what you just mentioned there is is usually omitted from the YouTube highlights of a player, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> like, uh, and, and look, I I I'm totally I, I'm totally guilty of being right in the 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 mainstream of so much of Everton Twitter that can fall in love with the idea of a player and what people have told me about the player. And then to your point, the, and my, in my day job, I work in like software and technology and have to do a lot with, with, uh, with trying to present data in a meaningful way. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing that that people lose sight of is that you can throw a bunch of numbers at people and depending, but depending on how they're represented, you can tell a particular story that may not be, fully complete uh, to your point. If you haven't really watched the player, uh, understanding the context. Um, I think sometimes even with Marcel Brands, we've, we've even tried to boil down into, well, we know what kind of player he is going to get. It is, you know, A, B, C, and D. And sometimes that's, that's probably a bit of a, a rigid way of, of looking at it. I think that with, um, I think that with certain players too, that um, reading pieces like yours, um, it, it gives me more of, especially because I think one thing that you do that I think is interesting is that you're, when you're going through those particular prospects, you've also compared some of the numbers that you're pointing out uh, to 
players that we already have to give us sort of a baseline of, you know, it, why is this meaningful? You can throw out a number, but if it's not meaningfully yeah. different, uh, if these things aren't, uh, you know, substantial improvements, uh, th then it gives us some baseline to sort of understand. But I, I, I think that's the, and, and coming from America, I mean, there's the kind of advanced analytics, advanced metrics age of uh, sporting analysis has taken root over here for a long time, especially started really heavily in baseball and is now in everything. But um, it, it's one of those things where at first it became about, you know, how many complex numbers and metrics can I yeah. generate? And now I think that the conversation's begun to evolve into what, which of these actual metrics are useful in telling a story to those who are not uh, super into the weeds of that profession or that industry in a way that actually informs them about players. And I think that's really key to being able to use that in a meaningful way. Hmm. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely mate. Um, Mike, just, just sort of moving on to the stuff you wrote then, um, you know, this was to be, you know, looking back, um, May, you said you finished it the first one up, I believe, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think it was the first two weeks of May, I think. So you sort of identify four key positions that Everton need to strengthen, in your opinion. They are right-back, centre-back, right-midfield, centre-mid. Um, has that changed in the subsequent months since the lockdown? I mean, would you maybe go two centre-mids, a goalkeeper and a right-mid, or you know, two centre-mids, a centre-back and, and a keeper? Or do you, do you stand by that, 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 sort of, that sort of point, yeah. those four points you put forward in those, those pieces? I think I think on the main, I think if you offered me said now by come the end of the window, you got you'd have a right back, centre back, centre mid, and a winger. I'd you know I'd accept it. Um, I think following the, when the fourth team restarted, it became it started to become a lot more evident that Jordan Pickford is just getting. Unless something really changes, he's getting there are starts become like Tim Howard like stage vibes now where he's, he was making a mistake nearly every week. Yeah, um, and there's part of me that did think maybe I do write about a goalkeeper, but then there was also part of me where I'd already written about a right back and a centre back, and looking would it be weird if I did right back, centre back, goalkeeper? Yeah, know, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and so so looking looking through it in each each of the the segments, you effectively pick a what you'd say is an ideal choice. So for example, in the first one, the right back, it's it's Max Orens at Norwich City. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of go with other alternatives and then wild card as well. So, yeah. I mean, just, just, just very quickly on the, the four players, in your ideal opinion, I'm assuming this is sort of money, no object, assuming everything can, can go and sign these lads. Who were, who were the four lads you, you picked as the, the ideal players to come in and solve Everton's problems? Well, well, Max Allens was the first choice. I think in, in hindsight now, I don't know whether I would go with Max Allens or not. I was, I was having a discussion in... Um, on my Twitter DMs the other day with someone who actually works in football and we were talking about recruitment and how I don't know whether I'd ever be able to be in the position of Marcel Brands because my, my mind changes every two weeks. <laughs> but yeah. Max Allen, as much as he has his weaknesses, he's also a right-back who could come in and for the next 10 years be Everton's right-back and no matter where he ends up going, if Everton can end up signing a player for 20, 25 million and end up having that player for 10 years, that, yeah. you know, that's not a lot of money you end up spending for one position. Um, I think in centre-back, it was, I, I went with Gabriel, who's obviously very well known on Twitter at the moment. He's, I do think we will end up with him in the end, I really do. I think it's a bit like the Eddie <laughs> Mina situation. 
Um, I don't think we actually need a centre back, but I think if an offer came in for either or of Michael Keane or, or Yeni Mina and a good offer, I'd be selling. So maybe we do. I'd probably loan out Jared Branthwaite and, and Lewis Gibson again. So that leaves us with three centre backs. So maybe Gabriel is need. Maybe a centre back is needed. And I do think Gabriel really is just a class above when it comes to the rest. And and there are a lot of players out there in which everything can afford for. I don't know how much he'd end up costing. You know, the price changes every week, doesn't it? Going to the Italian yeah. media. <laughs> the Italian, the Italian media is why I'm so into this thing. Because, <laughs> as I've talked about before, the 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 fun with Google Translate is one of my favorite traditions about Everton Twitter during the summer. But um, no, it's interesting you you mentioned, and I want to come back to the right back thing because I've I've definitely been probably for probably since even before we signed Luca Dean, I, I felt like why why are we not really working harder to upgrade that right back position given at the time you know you had the Coleman injuries and so on and now it's just an age thing uh, more than anything else but anyway I want to get back to the center half discussion I have floated this theory that and when I look at transfers and we talk about it I'm certainly you know it's good to have someone on who uh, along with people like Matt and so on have, have really seen a lot of these players I, I probably come more from the perspective of, of asset management or allocation of funds towards a position and mm -hmm. and just what makes sense from you know logical perspective uh, in terms of trying to distribute the talent and your resources to acquire talent as as you know efficiently as possible it seems like if gabriel and i've kind of put this out there that if we sign gabriel which would be for a considered amount of money and in all likelihood would mean that he is uh, at minimum one of our top three and, and likely starting uh starting uh, every week uh that it, you almost have to sell one of either Keen or Mina, don't you? Because that's too much money invested in that one position, especially given what we've seen from Jared Branthwaite, who I still think needs to go on loan, but it wouldn't be, uh, Mike Deasha has kind of convinced me that it wouldn't be the worst thing for him to be at the club for one more season as the fourth center half and then maybe go out and loan at age 19 or whatever. But I, I look at those two uh, and, and Michael Keen seems the more obvious choice to sell given his current contract status, given his, uh, uptick in play during the restart, um, given the fact that Yeri Mina, conversely, has had some injury issues. He's on huge wages. I, I just think Keen is a more movable piece at this point that you could, because he's English and he's, you know, been an international that you could probably get a decent amount of money for. Um, you said before you don't think we need to, and and I, I could almost be persuaded by that too. That let's say we just don't enter, uh, add a center half. I don't know how you feel about it, but it sounds like you're kind of of this mind that we could maybe live without center another center half this offseason if, and my big if is, if we then say we're going to take that money and spend it elsewhere. Uh, Matt has, has heard me talk about, I'd like a right back and I'd like two central midfielders instead of just one. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the center half position just in general? Um, if, if Yari Mina can remain healthy, uh, which is certainly something he has to prove, um, could you see him? Uh, could you see him and Keane and Holgate being of sufficient quality for for one more season? Um, yeah, definitely. Really, I remember on deadline day last year there was mass hysteria about us not ending up with a centre half, even if the centre half was, was Marcos Rojo. There was, but I I thought you know 
if you have three centre backs and then you have you know someone in the under twenty threes, you could easily you know step up because if the likelihood of two centre backs being injured at the same time isn't that great. I don't know. Let me say that we we had that at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you? I'm sorry, Mike. Have you met Everton before? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we've seen with we've seen with Branthwaite really that sometimes players just need to be given the opportunity, and if and a lot of the time for youngsters, opportunities come through injury. Tom Davies was given his chance in Ronald Koeman's first season, partly because of injury and partly because Jisa Gay had gone out to the African Cup of Nations. Yeah. Sometimes, if, if you have three centre-backs and we signed another and then we didn't sell Holgate, then all of a sudden, you know, do we even sign Brantway? Because if Brantway, you know, the offer comes to him, you've got four centre-backs in front of you, plus Lewis Gibson, and he might have, might, he might have had more offers. He probably looks elsewhere. It's, I, th- I think... We only need three plus another, but then I suppose if you are sending both of them out on loan, you know, no other centre backs in the under twenty threes comes to mind. Maybe we do need four, maybe we do sell Keane and we just keep one of them loose Gibson. Obviously he's coming back off alone from Fleetwood. He's done fairly okay. Um Yeah, I think he's okay, but I would sell one and bring in another just because I think it's a lot of money. You spoke about Michael Keane's contract situation. I think he's got two years on it at the yeah. moment. Yeah, I don't know how much you probably wouldn't get what the same fee that we bought him for is the twenty five million, but you probably could get close to twenty. And he's English, so he probably goes yeah. to an English club. It was only last year he was still playing for England. You probably get the same. You probably get eighteen million pounds for him, something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. I don't know. It's, yeah, Which it's, in this market may not. There's no small chunk of change either. I mean, if you no. can get 18 million, you could probably do a little more with 18 million potentially in this market. Maybe not yeah. at the star star player level, mm. but you should. Given that this ought to be a buyer's market in a down economy with teams being you know desperate for cash or more club, there are probably more clubs desperate for cash than we really know about at this point because I'm sure they're doing yeah. their best to hide it. But I think that would be interesting. Just another thing as well. First, the other thing we're all doing here is we're assuming that even though he's only had two thirds of a good season, or a really good season, Mason Holgate is going to be the player right. to build around for, for years to come. And, you know, we've been speaking about this on a show recently where, you know, in the past we have built up players to such an extent after one really good season. You know, think of Jordan Pickford, you know, goes to the World Cup, does well after the good season. It's another six year contract, lad. You know, we have Roberto Martin as who has one good season at the club. You know, let's put you on the side of the ground, you know, and give you a six-year contract as well. You know, we, we've done this in the past. And let me listen, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Mason Holgate and, you know, he, he was excellent last season. And, you know, all the things that you said there, Mike, in regards to the potential knock-on effects signing Marcus Rojo could have had for us at the end of last summer. We might not have been sitting here with, with Mason Holgate or Jared Bromfleet as an Everton player. I think that's a, that's a great point, but... I think I, I would be comfortable with three senior ones. If you uh, put Holgate in that bracket, three senior centre backs, and then whoever your fourth choice is, be that be that Gibson or, or Brantley. But just just in those two positions, then Mike, you know, obviously if, if Gabriel ends up at, at Napoli and Max Adams goes to Tottenham, as all of our targets tend to do at the moment, CPA Emil Hoiberg. What were some of the other options you found when you're doing your research? Well, on the topic of uh, before talk about that, My, Michael Keane going for eighteen million pounds, and then Everton still signing a centre back, maybe bought a centre back on loan, maybe someone like Tamori. So mm. I mean, I don't know how much a loan fee would be. Probably not that much. 
But, you know, that straight away, you can use maybe £15 million of that on another position, almost. So Tamori would be one of another centre-back, that an alternative maybe. Um, at right-back, Nottingham Forests, Matty Cash yeah. is another one. Um, yeah. I saw the other day that Leon's Kenny Tetty, he's got 12 months on his contract, supposedly... Leon don't even want a fee and they'd let him go on loan for the next 12 months. I'm not that convinced on it. I'll put him in the piece. I think he's a bit, he's very, well, I thought about this, I thought this about Luca Dean actually, but he's very right-footed. I know he's a right-back, but he's very right-footed for, mm. for a footballer. He doesn't really like using his left. He, he almost runs that bit like a robot. Like he'll never, you know. <laughs> I, I, I remember a few years ago watching PSG versus Leon and he, yeah, he played and he, game, and he had a great game. It. Yeah, he, he put Neymar in his pocket and was excellent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he does a lot of buzz around him then, but he's just not really kicked on since then, has he? No. Um, so, yeah, maybe, you know, Matty Cash, apparently, he rejected, Nottingham Forest rejected the £10 million bid, I think from Burnley and he was obviously linked to AC Milan like Anthony Robertson in January for a similar fee. He'd, he'd cost considerably less than, than Max Adams. He'd probably give you the exact same output and he'd probably still be here for six, seven, eight years mm-hmm. and he'd probably cost half the price maybe. I got sold on Matty Cash from that piece uh, that mm-hmm. Michael wrote. <laughs> I just, I, Well, just in terms of the whole bit that we always talk about, Matt, in regards to you know, mining for players who are looking to take that step up to the next level that you get for a certain fee. And, and, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I, I thought of, as I was reading that, that bit about Matty Cash, it, it occurred to me that, um, you know, one of the things I would like to see us do more, at least in theory, is to mine the championship for more players. But I also having I say that, uh, and I know that you have your James Madisons of the world that come from that environment. You know, you have guys that are obviously good, you know, come from there. But and maybe you guys can tell me your opinion on this. Is I, I don't know that I know enough about. I've watched a little bit of championship football, but uh, is the level sufficient enough to to say that that's a, a smart move? Or I, I feel like there's, but there's always got to be in theory several players every single season that are ready to move up from the championship to the Premier League? Or am I overstating the quality that's available there? I, 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 for me, and I don't know, it, it might agree with me, what, it feels that the coaching in recent years has got a lot better in the championship. It feels like teams are being better drilled there now. Uh, they're obviously bringing in a lot of coaches from abroad who are bringing diff- different influences in. And with that, there's different styles of play. You know, you look at some of the teams that have come up in recent years. Norwich came up and albeit it didn't work out for them. But they were very high energy, very high pressure. And all the players were technically good. And while as a unit, that didn't work. You could see... You could cherry pick a player out to that side. I think someone like Wendy yeah, and stick them in a better team, and I think they'd be all right and they'd function because they've got that good coaching background. They're technically strong, and they're on an upward trajectory in the career. So I think with that in mind, that'll be a good thing for us to mind that league, as you put it, Robin. No, I think ultimately as well in, in the Premier League at the moment, it's it feels as though the gap between you know apart from the top two maybe in in this league you know and you've got the rest which maybe we are part of or we're not part of but I'd say between the the bottom 10 of the the Premier League and the top six of the championship you sort of look at it now and think 
is there a whole lot between these sides, really? You know, you watch teams like Leeds and the way they played towards the, the end of the season and the way Bielsa's, Bielsa's got them going. You know, Brentford were on that great run before they blew it towards the end as well. You know, Fulham ultimately went up. West Brom were, were, were under Billich. And I don't know, I don't know if, if you guys agree, and maybe Mike's better place to answer this because he probably watches a lot more of these lads than I do on a regular basis, but it doesn't... You know, whereas in the past, there's a lot of talk about the jump up from the Championship to the Premier League being an enormous step. It feels though like that might have shortened a little bit in recent years. No, I agree completely. I think the Championship, you know, has just got considerably better every year, so much to the point that I don't think the gap is that big anymore. You know, on Matty Cash and the same Frolly Watkins is that... You know, I could almost guarantee if this was 10 years ago when David Moyes was still here, you know, they would be his signings. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and as much as people people won't like, you know, people have want to say, oh, we've moved on from that David Moyes, you know, era. And that's completely fair. But as much as sometimes we, we punched above our weight and as much as sometimes we underwhelmed in certain seasons as well, we had an identity and we had an identity that, you know, from a group of players that Evertonians could connect to. And it's because they were not just happy to be here, but they were proud and they, they wanted to play for Everton Football Club and sign and championship players. It's almost like it gives them, it gives those players an opportunity that they would be desperate for and Everton needs those, some of those players. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And as I talk about that kind of concept of bringing players uh, who are in the process based on where they are in their career and their age, uh, tra- you know, their trajectory, whatever you want to call it. Um, I like this idea of players now taking the next step in their evolution to Everton, but I'm also, and I've, I've, this is where I probably, uh, there's a bit of probably a bit more disagreement between me and some others uh, on, on whether it's here on the show or just in the blue room in general. Like I, and, and maybe Matt, you you might push back and say that I'm not characterizing this correctly, but uh, like I like what you're saying, Mike. I think that that there needs to be more space carved out for that type of player. But I'm also of the opinion, um, especially as we get into talking about central midfield, um, that when you have a part of the pitch that is so deficient, and you have a manager who is, and I love Carlo, but uh, you know Carlo is not a young man. He's not going to be here for 10 years um, that you've got to mix your recruitment up between some of these players that are are, are kind of developing and, and taking those next step step ups with guys who can come in frankly and make an immediate impact if we had had even I've, I've maintained this for god I feel like I've been saying this now for like five years I feel like we say this every offseason but especially this this after this season you know the, at least mathematically the the opportunity was there if we'd had average just average midfield play, like David Moyes' average central midfield play uh, this season, I think we comfortably finished seventh. I, I don't think it's that difficult. I think mm-hmm. that it's almost a minor miracle. We, we've, I mean, t- t- there's nothing minor miraculous about 12th, but you know what I mean? Like, it's amazing <laughs> that we had two double-digit goal scorers given, you know, what we had to offer in central midfield. And so, uh, and maybe this gets on to the topic of uh, Alon, and, 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 and this is less about him as a particular player, but more about the idea of, is it a terrible thing to... In, in addition to some of these younger players that you want to bring in as part of your long-term vision to also 
acknowledge that there have to be some immediate instant short-term gains, even if it's bringing in a player who's 28, 29 years old, and it's not really about resale value. It's about getting that boost, uh, you know, for next season so that you can build a platform to have better recruitment and in better place, you know, long-term. I just feel like you can't, you can't say we're bringing in player, you know, in, in the most critical position who we hope by the end of this coming season will have developed into something good. Like I almost feel like you've got to bring not, not every player, but I, I do feel like central midfield needs an immediate contributor now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like midfield needs a Luca Dean almost in that. Yeah. You're not, you're not talking about someone really, really young. You're not talking about, someone really old and which you know whenever he leaves the club you're not going to get your money back and I think that's maybe one of the part of the reasons why I'm not that keen on Alan um, I think you could still sign championship players or young players and they could still have an immediate impact you look at Charles and he's only 22 now isn't he or 23 mm-hmm. I should say maybe Mason Hallgate's only 23 I think I think there maybe is a bit of a, a false conception that you, you sign young players and I think it doesn't help the, the fact that we signed the likes of Vlasic and Luckman where you sign them and you watch them and it's like, these players are going to be like, these aren't going to be ready for another two years. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes you can sign, your, those young players can be ready to kickstart straight away. It's about finding the right ones. Right. Is, is well, the issue, it, it, it's the issue there though, Rob, that, you know, I, mean, I, sort of, I sort of agree with both of you, I'm sitting on the fence a, a little bit, but I suppose <laughs> the issue there is that those young players, and I think you're right, Mike, that, you know, Young lads can come in and have a huge impact on on team, but everything they're going into a summer they haven't got much to spend. Yeah, Jarlison, depending on what 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 sort of fee you know you believe based on the reports, is anything between thirty five and fifty million pounds. And I don't necessarily think the club's going to be in a position where they can go out and and spend that money on someone who is that young and is Premier League. Well, Richardson was sort of Premier League right. proven, wasn't he at the time, but not not fully. Yeah, like that's, I think that's what I come back to is that there are always market forces at work and you have to, you know, if you're, if you're city um, or, you know, or, well, I was going to make a joke about financial fair play, but there's no, there's no need for that. Um, I, I Look, if, you know, we're, we are in a position where regardless of the specific parameters of financial fair play, there's an acknowledgement that the overall wage structure is out of whack here, right? So, um, you know, you have to give somewhere. Now, Richarlison, to your point, yes, of course, uh, you can sign young players, you know, James Madison and Richarlison are examples of that. Um, but uh, to, to get a player that is an instant impact, productive, and young means that he is going to go for top dollar. I mean, that is that is someone who generally will go. Now, of course, the question is, is can you hit on someone who no one currently thinks would be an instant impact player that you could get for a reasonable fee at a great age that ends up surprising everyone? Sure. Uh, I, I think that there's probably a bit, there's a bit more of a, it's almost like a bit more of buying a lottery ticket at that point of hoping something like that happens. Whereas I hate putting that kind of pressure on a young player because let's face it, when Richarlison came in, he was 21. Um, but given the fee um, for all the jokes about the, you know, he's Brazilian only cost 50 million. That was a, the, the expectation was, is that that is a pivotal 
foundational signing for this club and he has to come in and score immediately. And I, I don't typically want to put a young player under that kind of pressure. So then the other side of that is, all right, well, maybe I, you know, Alon, I'd love for Alon, for instance, to be 25 instead of 28 or 29. I think he's maybe just turned 29. Sure. I, I would love for him to be a few years younger, but you know, he does have a, a pretty, you know, a, a somewhat extensive record of being a productive midfielder, possessing certain traits that you would imagine could come in and, and play well early. So again, whether it's him or not, and again, I don't pretend to know a ton, a ton about him uh, in the way that some others do. I, I just kind of feel like given those, those spending limitations, Matt, that you talked about, that we're going to have to get realistic about what what can happen here. You can have it a bunch of different ways. You can say, I want Marcel Brands to do the Marcel Brands thing he was advertised to do, which is find a player in the third, you know, in Romania, Romania's third league for two million pounds that is going to light the world on fire. Um, but that's probably not going to happen, you, you know, or to be able to say, He's going to find these young gems, but you could also argue that that's the approach of Moise Keane or Jared Branthwaite or those types. But I think that Marcel Brands probably prefers that he buys young players with the idea that they're going to develop over time, which I'm mm. fully, fully on board with. What I'm saying, though, is that central midfield, we cannot be in a position again, I'm sorry, where we're starting Tom Davis next to Andre Gomez next season or, you know, what have you. There has to be an instant upgrade. And, again, it doesn't have to be an old guy, but given the money we have to spend, it, that's probably where yeah. you get away with spending less money is by buying a player who is potentially still an impact player but won't have resale value. Again, that's just yeah. my logical way of going through it. I think for me, it's – I think what I'd say, regardless of the age of the player or the profile of the player – Central midfield's the one you're happy to spend the most money on, ultimately, aren't you? That, that's the one where you're happy to put your, your chunky budget in and say, we're going to allocate X amount of it, which is probably most of it, into that area of the pitch. Um, I'm a bit conscious of time here, so very quickly move on. Mike, um, so you said central midfield, obviously, and right midfield as well. You've already said you're not that keen on that arm. Uh, you've rubbished Ibrahim or Samgari. He's, he, he's, he's not particularly good either. Um, so Evertonians will be turning off in the droves listening to this, potentially, who are, who are ultras for those lads. But um, which midfielder did you, did you find that you thought could do a job for the Blues? Yeah, I still, I still like Sangali. I think he'd be. Oh, Bernie really Masson, mate, don't worry. <laughs> I, think, I think, I think he's a type of midfielder. If you're going to bring him in, you've you've also got to bring in another, um, just in case. Um, That'd be Hon fine. Hongers, <laughs> yeah. Baptiste, Santa Maria. No, I don't think a lot of people might have heard of him or at least seen him. Great name. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic name. Um, <laughs> he's supposedly linked with Villarreal. He was linked for a, I think they had a 10 million euro. Bid rejected, so I think that that you know proves. I think they only want fifteen million euro, which I mean, yeah. Considering the market is not a lot of money at all, and I think he'd come in and he'd solve a lot of problems straight away. Wait, so where's he from, and what sort of player is he? He's um he's a centre midfielder. He's from he's from Angers. I can't completely pronounce the tears. He's <laughs> in France. We'll Angers. go with it. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. Um. So. <laughs> Just call them Angus, that feels appropriate for Evertonians, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. That's the one. He's, he's not necessarily the type of player who's going to get the ball and, you know, run past seven or eight players and then score a goal in midfield. He's a bit like Hadrisa Gay, but he's more so the type of player who will sit in front of the defence rather than go hunting for the ball. And I think that's maybe what you need. You need the type of player in which, unlike Hadrisa Gay, as much as he's done a fantastic job, I still think he hindered Andre Gomez in a way because... 
Andre Gomez has to be the one who has to sit, when I, I think Gomez is better when you can push him up a little bit. So if you have a midfielder who could just sit in front of the, the back four, I mean, we saw it as much as he wasn't spectacular. After, you know, the football came back, I think it was the game against Aston Villa where he got the assist, maybe. Yeah. Where he was pushed on a little bit higher and he was allowed to not necessarily get on the ball more, but when he did get on the ball, it was better areas for him. And I think if you have, you know, a number six, even if, even if we're not playing 4 3 3, if you have a number six, you could just sit there and when we turn over the ball and all of a sudden the opposition team's got a counter attack, you've got someone sitting there, a bit like Gareth Barry used to do. And obviously, we used to have James McCarthy. Obviously, Andre Gomez is better on the ball, but he plays a little bit like the Gareth Barry role, really. Yeah, one of the things that... So, I want to stay on midfield for a second just because I think I think central midfield is what we all sort of acknowledge is the, the, the most dire position that needs to be addressed. And I want to get back on this subject of are we after one or are we after two? And I guess my question is... We don't know. Uh, we've actually been reading a, a little bit lately about how Marcel Brands is almost, I mean, he's passionate about the idea of hiding his activities from the media, if at all possible, which I think makes total sense. It's frustrating for those of us who love to, uh, you know, ride the wave of, uh, of transfer Twitter, of course, but I think it is smart. But the only thing I think we definitively know right now in terms of reliable reporting is that we bid for uh, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg from Southampton, who ultimately signed with Spurs. Um, what I want to know is what does that move and that, that intention, at least making that bid, tell us about what the idea is in central midfield? And what I mean by that is when I saw that we bid for him, I thought, well, it makes sense. I mean, I read your preview. You liked him a lot too. Uh, Patty's a, a fan of his skill set. Um, I've, I've been sold on the idea and I've seen Southampton enough times that I can say I've seen the player. Um, but he's sort of a, a well-rounded, uh, midfielder who's, who's good at breaking up play and turning a pass and those sorts of things. But in, I couldn't look at him and say, well, that's clearly the additional creative force that we need in central midfield or something that's going to supplement the attack, uh, unless the idea that it is that, that Gomez is going to be made just so much better by having a better partner, which I think is probably the case. Uh, it couldn't be much worse. So my question is, knowing that we did bid for Hoiberg, knowing that that's the sort of prototype of player, at least in theory, we're after there, is the idea or the belief, and I'd love to know what you guys think, do you guys think that we're after two or do you think we're only after one? Because I feel like we're, we've got to have – I feel like the three-man mid, central midfield is – the three-man midfield is probably the direction that things could should go to make Gomez better, but I, I, I would love to know what, what you guys think. Difficult one. Yeah, it is. Long pause. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's – I don't know. Could could the Hoiberg deal effectively have been one of those where they look at and go fifteen million pound for the player that the manager really likes? That it's got all those great attributes that you know, ticks a lot of boxes data wise. Do we just sign him anyway? So to think, you know, is, is it one of those deals which you, you just get done regardless of, of your other potential big targets and, and along with Alan? I mean, I, I don't know what, what, what you know what the answer to that is because you know. And, they sort of seem similar sort of profiles to me in regards to lads who can do a little bit of everything without having a real standout attribute. Um, albeit, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say either of them 
I think you, you get, you, I won't play them both in a four-four-two. Really, in, in central midfield together, I feel you need, you need a bit yeah. more blend and then a bit more creativity in there as well. Because I don't really think those those lads are the type to to incisively pass and you know create things in the in the final third. But I mean, I, I don't know about you, Mike. I mean, what what what, what do you think about that? Is I, one, one thing I'll add to that really quickly is: Do you think I, I'm not convinced we're going to stay with a four-four-two? I think that may have been just the most expedient thing to do this off season. But if, or I'm sorry, this past season, but I, I, it feels like we're still better playing some version of God. I hate to say four two three one, but um, <laughs> you know, or or just even a straight four three three of some sort. Like I just feel like there's more more opportunity there for to get more out of the players that we've got. Because like you know, as much as we don't like it, guys like Sigurdsson are going to still be here, and and there's you know, I just don't see what what four four two really does to take us forward unless you get some very specific types of players Mike, michael what what are your thoughts um the opposite really i think as much as i disagree i mean as much as i don't like it i do think 442 will be the future as long as ancelotti's here only because you know it, it's difficult to tell only because he came in straight after duncan fakes and it, it literally switched to 442 straight away so you don't know what would have happened if that if that had never happened but for the majority of his time at Napoli, it was it was predominantly four four two, sometimes four three three. I think it will be again predominantly four four two, and then in certain games we might go to a back three or we might go to a, a midfield three, which I prefer. In doing four four two, I'm not sure Andre Gomez will end up being a long term Everton player only because I really just don't think he suits it at all, and I think. As long as he's got people around him, he can be a really good footballer. But ask him to do a bit of everything, I think he he starts to get a bit, you know, exploited. And I don't think in a four four two you can have uh, players who need to be carried by other players almost. Which he, which I think at the end of last season kind of showed that he did need someone almost to make sure that he was all right in midfield. And unless you signed an, a replica of a GCG. Then I don't think Gomez will last very long in a four four two, which I do think will be the long term. Yeah, the, the four, when I think of a four four two midfield, the, the one that always comes to mind is Drinkwater and Kante at Leicester. And, you know, mm-hmm. those those lads had attributes that just you know, Drinkwater couldn't really run, could he at all? No. But they complemented that really well yeah, by having complementing. Yeah, both of them, isn't it? They've had they've effectively had the most athletic, defensively tenacious player in the world next to them, didn't they? And you know, they, they found him, found him by some good scouting by. Maybe Steve Walsh you know, and a bit of luck as well in regards to, to how they got him. But I think you need that that's your ideal blueprint, isn't it? I think you need someone who's got a bit of creativity, who can run a little bit, and someone who's a little bit creative but can run loads. Like it, it feels like that's what you need in in a four four two. But um just for the for the final five minutes before we wrap up, um, Mike, right mid. Uh, as well, it feels like the position which doesn't really get spoken about them at, at all in regards to what Everton need. Um, but when you actually look at the options there, you sort of go uh, Theo Walcott and mm, there's not really anyone else who really wants to play on that right hand side, is there? Yeah, not going to put Moise Keane back out there again. <laughs> so, in, in your piece, mate, who did you who did you find as an ideal candidate for that, and who were, think, who were some of the wild card options? I think in the end, I went for David Brooks from Bournemouth. Only because he's obviously under Eddie Howe, he's played again predominantly four four two. Albeit, I do think his probably future. I think if he if he could pick where he wants to play, he'd probably be a bit like a Wobie plays out wide, but he'd rather be the number ten. 
which means do you actually really want to sign a player who you're playing in a position where he probably doesn't want to play in? Maybe not. Um, Wofford's is my SR. I really like, I really like, but the talks yesterday that Wofford aren't in any rush to sell, and if they are, it's going to be 40 million plus. Um, at the end of the day, Everton can't spend that money on just one player. Yeah, he's left sided, isn't he, as well, in regards to being left footed? He cut, cuts in from the right. Um, I'm not completely sure. I think he might be. I think he can play on either. I think. Yeah. I think at Watford he's predominantly played on the right, but at Wren he definitely plays on the left because I remember he played there against Arsenal last year in the Europa League. Yeah, Matt. Um, I was going to say before we. I know we're kind of winding down. Do we want to go through some? I know we had some questions. Yes, I was. Back. Yeah. I want to do a, a was, rapid fire I'll, of those. Yeah, I mean, I was, do you want to host me? Yeah. No, no. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm only messing. I'm only messing. Right, I, 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 I was going to finish by rattling through some of that. Mike, he just put me in my place right then, so you, you saw it. <laughs> there we go. So uh, one of, one of the, the points we've had uh, in regards to one of the plays you just mentioned, uh, Mike was from uh, Neil Abraham, said, I would love Thiago Silva. Alan would be great. Any of the Brazilians, just any Brazilians, uh, that's fine. Uh, would love to see a forward line. With Zahar and Richarlison in. Uh, so links to frighten me. Uh, Ryan Fraser, David Brooks, brackets injury curse, Sangare uh, as well. Wildcard, uh, South Korean international, it looks like Harry Maguire. Oh, yeah. Who's yeah. that, Mike? Uh, I can't remember. It, it's Kim J, something I can't I wouldn't be able to get his last name. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that narrows it down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll quickly Ralph is, but he's not convinced I'm, I suppose he has had those couple of injuries hasn't hey he? I look the Zaha things feels I, I don't even know I feel dumb even bringing it up like the Zaha things com- feels completely manufactured not that most of these aren't manufactured on some level but that that just seems like a bad idea on so many levels between the fee the age the lack of productivity I don't know what else I can say to say to convince people that it's probably not a great idea it doesn't mean I don't think he has some qualities to him but my goodness that yeah. that can't actually be a, a a real option we'd be looking at but yeah. I look I will say this about the right side um and this this is part and parcel with my thought on right back is that until we get the right side addressed in some meaningful way, we're going to continue to have the same problems that we've been having. It's a lack of balance. It's, it's uh, you know, how, how feeble the attack generally is. We, we've just got to have more. I think that a right back could certainly go a long way in doing that. But yeah, Matt, when you say Theo Walcott, that's, that's, <laughs> you start to really realize just how, how dire it is. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I think some of those options that you outlined, uh, would make some sense, but it seems like the it seems like there's they're definitely after someone on the right side. It'll be interesting to see what what their their thought process there is. Is that someone like who is kind of a hybrid player who is maybe both a striker and a right sided player? I don't know. I've I've heard the the talk of um, this was the Celtic player Ed, is it Eduard or whatever. Yeah, I know he's a striker, yeah. but he can play on the right. I don't know if that's actually a viable option <laughs> there, but I I just can't imagine spending money on a striker given what we've spent uh, no. recently. I mean, that's, that's fair enough, mate, yeah. A uh, few other comments here. Brown's got uh, Good to see you back on, mate. Uh, I find it really, really difficult to get excited about any transfers. At this point, it feels like we could sign 11 pound or winners and still somehow be rubbish. Uh, yeah, So <laughs> something I've said in the past, and we need to change the culture in the group of lads we've got at the football club as well. I think that's that important. Uh, obstructed view. Um, do you think the short turnaround, the current state of other, of other areas, give Pickford 
a bit of breathing space. I think any other year, the goalkeeper position might be a much more serious conversation. I suppose we've already just briefly touched mm-hmm. on that, didn't we, earlier on, Mike, in regards to, to Pickford and how you didn't really look at goalkeepers. But um, it feels like Jordan Pickford's going to get a bit of a stay of execution. Yeah, I think I think either way, he probably would have got an extra 12 months. I think the next thing that needs to happen is either he needs to pick up his form, which hopefully he does first, or he'll lose his England number one shirt, and then you'll you'll see the real Pickford. I hope in that you know he's lost that number one shirt now, and he, he really needs to you know work hard to get that back. And if if that's not a wake up call for him, then he's, he's got to go and he's got to be replaced. Yeah, it's amazing how much of at least the perception is that that is his primary motivation. Yeah, I, we, I have this theory that oh. I have this, I've had this theory for a while that he doesn't really care about Everton that much that the, the being England number one is, is, is what his identity is wrapped up in. But you know, God, if, if, if Ancelotti can't get the best out of him at this point, then I think that says a lot about, about Pickford. Yeah. Owen Parks has said some love for his mail are question mark. Done that, mate. Uh, tick that box. Uh, <laughs> Mike clearly keen on him. Uh, Lee Stokes has said, not overly concerned with the incoming situation. Early days can ignore most rumours. Imagine many players we're interested in aren't in the media. Hope we don't spend big on Alan. Hope we get Gabriel, but concerned if top priority and drags on too long. Hope for more sales by now. And we'll, we'll finish on, on this, lads. Um, for, for you, Mike, are you... A little bit worried that a few of the lads, you know, a few of the, well, not our scapegoats because I think you deserved the criticism last season, a lot of them, but a few of the, the players the park end might pick out, as, as you put it before, uh, still at the football club. Would you like to see some of them moved on by now? I mean, yeah, I think the vast majority of them can go, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I think the worry is, 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 that, is that they won't. That no one can not, ju- not, it's not just a case of like it was in previous summers where no one wants them. It's now a case of no one can actually afford to buy them. And if they are going to buy them, you're talking very low fees simply because the wages they're on are just astronomical. Yeah. yeah. Rob, you, you, you give Brown's credit in the past for the way in which he's managed to get some of these lads out the door. Um, I suppose yeah. Snydland's already gone. That's one. A few of the young players have gone. But you know, certainly yeah. there's a few more, isn't there? Well, yeah. So I think this is an... Um potentially underreported thing. I, mean, I, I tend to agree with Mike. I mean, look, if you've got an uh, underperforming player on big wages, there's no worse, com- you know, worse combination than that in terms of making him sellable. But I, look, I, I give Marcel Brands credit up to this point because when he was brought in, uh, as much as it's not super exciting to talk about in the way that incomings are, getting so many of these players off the books has been – uh, you know, one of his his bigger accomplishments for sure. I think what is interesting about this offseason is that you get these little trickles of information from the, you know, especially when the Echo will write a piece that is sort of, you know, this is kind of, if you're wondering why they haven't signed anyone, this is, it, it almost sounds like they, they're getting the rationale from Everton about, yeah. about things. And so what the question that that begs for me is, <laughs> are we thinking that they're going to just sell around the fringes and that that's the, um, that's what they need to do. I mean, it almost feels like as much as I, I I know I brought this up before, but whether it's Michael Keane or not, I'm just using him as an example. I think if you are in a place where you've got to actually make a substantive or substantial dent in that wage bill or open up funds for purchases or whatever, you know, the financial bottom line, 
I think you're, you can't just work around the edges. You've probably got to find a way to move on players that some of us would be a little surprised about that we may not be expecting to go. Um, is there, again, I don't, we all think, we, I th I'm sure there were times we thought there's no way that, that they'll be able to sell this player and brands you know, may have found a way. Is there a path towards getting guilty secrets and off the wage bill? Is there, um, you know, with Michael Keane, he's actually, I think, an attractive option for maybe a promoted side or for another team in the league. Um, is there a way uh, to move Fab you know, Fabian Delph? I mean, my goodness, leads have just come up. Why not? You know, would they would they go ahead and take that take him off our hands? Please, God, let that be true. Those sorts of things. Like, but but I I just don't think that that we can sell Schneiderlin for like two or three million and then sell Kieran Dow and then say, all right, we've sold enough players. The, the implication from the reporting is that in order to make some substantial progress, even though we definitely have some sort of transfer wage, I hate call, I hate all the words that get used, kitty, <laughs> war chest, whatever you want to call it, a budget. Um, I, I do think that if they are serious about that, then there may be a mystery guest in regards to a player we weren't expecting to be sold that gets sold. You wouldn't think it'd be one of the young ones, uh, especially those who've just been tied to fresh terms, but um, we also hope it's not Richarlison until at least next season either. So uh, who, who falls in between? And I don't know the answer to that, but I think that we can start to look at those players and think some of those have to be moved as difficult as it may seem um, some your trash is someone else's treasure sometimes. And that's gotta be <laughs> the, the, the mindset of, of trying to move some of those off that to have an opportunity to move forward. And, and so by the way, as an extension, Matt, one of the, uh, Laura tweeted at us and, and said, are you got, you know, we got a few questions along these lines. Are you guys concerned about, the lack of activity or getting nervous. I mean, we're still very early in the window. Yeah. Um, it doesn't end until October. Um, and there've been very few deals done in general. I, I think that the long, longer window is the more I still, it doesn't matter what they do at the window. It still seems like most of the deals get done uh, <laughs> late on. And hopefully that won't happen for us. But uh, I've said this now, I think three times in the blue room in the past week, uh, the greatest, uh, the, the the largest unit of measurable time is the distance between the window opening and Everton signing their first player. So um, <laughs> until, you know, that it's, it's going to feel long until it finally happens. But when it does happen, you would think that that would promote some movement or trigger some additional movement uh, in the market, at least around Everton's dealings. Yeah, fingers crossed it does. Uh, we are out of time this week. Uh, thanks very much to Rob. Cheers to Mike as well. Uh, wonderful oh, debut. I'm sure everyone listening would agree with that as well. Uh, we've had loads of stuff out this week on the Blue Room, as Rob said. Uh, Kickabout uh, was with myself, Rob and Kate. That was out uh, this morning. Uh, we can speak to me on Friday night now. Uh, we've got the weekly out as well. Uh, we've got all your stuff on Blue Room Extra too. Uh, so thanks very much to the lads. Cheers for listening. Have a great weekend and we'll speak to you again soon. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.